Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Let's Talk Therapy with Rosemary Burns. Uh, thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate the time you're taking to listen to my outreach and education about therapy and some basic things about mental health and just trying to get education outreach out there. So I appreciate all of you. Okay, so let's start out, of course, with what I learned from last podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't write your notes in pencil on dark paper because it's really difficult to read it. It's really hard to see. And um, I really felt like last time that I, I just couldn't read it very well. And I felt like my segues were kind of like off and, you know, it's learning experience. I, said, I think I said that last time and that's why I add that little, that little part. That's why I start with what I learned because, you know, as I have said before, new to podcasting. It's kind of, it's a growth process. So uh, I'm excited to say this time I have all my notes written on light paper um, with dark ink and we'll see how it goes. You know, it'd be fun. Any suggestions? Maybe I should try using a computer and, and read it as like print and not my handwriting, but we'll see. So that's just a little bit of fun thing <laughs> to start off this podcast with. So first off, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think that's so important given everything that's been going on in the world. You know, I think mental health awareness should be year round, uh, just the same as all kinds of different awareness months and things like that. But it, it gives you time to kind of pause for, for a second and think about the importance of mental health. Um, I'm big, a uh, big proponent um, support, you know, trying to erase the stigma of mental health. And, it, and we've come a long way, but there's still a long road to go to try and help bring awareness and just help enlighten people to the importance of mental health. So as things are starting to reopen slowly from the COVID-19 crisis, let's talk about mental health services and therapy 101. So with COVID-19, for a lot of people, this may be the first time you really experienced enough distress to need help. Uh, maybe this is the first time you've actually experienced anxiety symptoms or depression symptoms. It's possible because when you have a, a global pandemic, when you have a, a global trauma like this and, and things happen, like we've talked about before, being forced to social distance, all the fears, all the all the misinformation that's on the media, confusing, it's overwhelming. And so with all of that that happened, it may be the first time that you've experienced significant distress, significant anxiety, depression. And so I thought this would be a really good episode to talk about how to get yourself into therapy services. I kind of did a little bit of homework and kind of looked, skimmed through some videos of like therapy 101s or um, intro to therapy, that kind of stuff. And I really haven't found a whole lot of videos. Now, of course, I did not scan the entire internet, the entire the entirety of YouTube, so they may actually be out there. But from what I did see, I did not see things that kind of said, well, how do you get yourself into therapy? And, you know, it may be something that professionals take for granted. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it is possible that some people think, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's a given. You just call and make a therapy appointment. Well, not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows the the steps to go to get yourself into therapy. And I really thought that this episode should focus on that because now you might be thinking about getting yourself into services. So how do you find a therapist? There's all kinds of different ways, but I also think that there's some preliminary stuff. There's some things you need to do first before you can actually find a therapist. 
And so the first thing to do is, you know, if you're super afraid to do this, because that can happen, if you're super afraid to do this, then find somebody who you trust, a supported friend or family member, could be a relative, your best friend, brother, sister, whatever, somebody who you trust to help you do it. Because, you know, it's a big decision. Um, This is somebody who hopefully is going to really help you with the things that you're struggling with. And so it's really important to find a good therapist, a good fit for you. Um, And if you're super nervous and afraid, even at the get-go, then somebody, a support person can really help you make better informed decisions, gather information so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Um, so that's the first thing I would I would do is find a support person. Um, if, if you're good to go and you can do this on your own, I think that's great too. But some things that you should think about when you're before you start looking for a therapist. First, if you're working, always check to see if your benefits, if you have health insurance benefits, see if your health insurance pays for your therapy and what it pays um, so that nothing is a surprise to you for like from the first time you might have a session, whether you have you have to pay a fee, you know, like sometimes when you go to the doctor's office, you might have a $20, $30 copay. Well, the same is true for therapy services and your insurance, if you have insurance, will say how much you will owe at each session. And so that's super important to um, to know before you go in. If you don't have insurance or maybe you have insurance, but you want to just do self-pay, that, that exists as well. Self-pay means that you're just going to go in and pay, you know, for your services each time that, that you're seen like with cash or a check or credit card. And if that's the case, then it makes sense to know how much the therapist charges per session and that kind of thing. Every therapist is different. Their fees are different. Some therapists work on a sli- something called a sliding scale. That means they gauge how much they will charge per session uh, per client based on, you know, income and, and all kinds of different factors. And so those are all kinds of questions that you would need to ask kind of later on once you're actually ready to make your appointment with your therapist. Another thing to think of is, or I'm sorry that you need to check, is if you're working, does your company that you work have EAP services? What's EAP? That stands for Employee Assistance Program. What that is, is some companies have a program where they offer mental health services through um, therapists that are signed up to work with the EAP program. And they offer a certain number of sessions. It might be per calendar year. Some do it per issue. So maybe you go in and you see a therapist for anxiety. And then once you're done working on anxiety stuff, you might get some more sessions to work on depression. Or maybe you're having family issues. And so you might get some sessions that allow you to go work on family issues. EAP services are typically shorter term. You know, the most, this I will just speak for myself, the most sessions that I have seen EAP services give out at one time is eight. That's the largest. But then I've also had people who have had eight sessions reapply for more sessions after the first eight. Again, if it was a different issue that they needed to work on. Where you would find out about EAP services is through HR, your your human resources department at wherever you work. It can be a wonderful, wonderful resource because you don't have to pay for any of those sessions. It's part of your benefits at where you work. So they're paid for. And I think it, it could be a really, really great tool for people to use. So once you find out whether you want to use insurance or self-pay, or if your company has EAP services, you might want to start thinking about where you want to have 
your therapy services. There's all different kinds of places that offer therapy. There's community mental health centers, churches, therapists that are in private practice. There are groups of therapists that might work for an overarching mental health provider. There are interns. There are fully licensed clinicians. Now, if you think of interns, maybe people haven't heard of what an intern is. An intern, they are people who may be finishing school. Maybe they're they're doing it as as part of finishing their program before they're licensed therapists. They're not licensed yet. Maybe they're actually working towards for their hours towards getting fully licensed. It just depends on the program that they're in. That's something to think about because most of the time interns charge less than a fully licensed clinician. Um, So you may be able to find somebody who can help you who um, won't charge very much. That's it particularly important if maybe you don't have insurance or your insurance maybe doesn't pay for mental health benefits. And so you would have to pay out of pocket. Um, So that's something to think about. Another thing to think about is some therapists offer pro bono sessions. So what does pro bono mean? That essentially means that they will offer you services for free. Most therapists that I know only, you know, take one or two pro bono cases, and it's usually a case-by-case basis, you know, depending on their caseload and how busy they are and, and that kind of thing. There's, there's again, different factors that play into whether a therapist will take a pro bono case or not. And that is something that can be worked out once you find your therapist. Okay, so after you have figured out whether you have insurance, whether you have mental health benefits, whether you're going to use EAP, self-pay, Interns, fully licensed clinician, community mental health center, a church, private practice clinicians, et cetera, et cetera. Then it's important to find out what kind of therapist do you want? Because there's all kinds of different ones. There's marriage and family. There's professional counselors. There's psychologists. I'm in Arkansas. And so we have a license called psychological examiner. It's essentially master's level clinician. um, But I don't know very many states who have a master's level psychology license. So I just thought I'd plug that in because that's my license. So psychologists, psychiatrists, substance abuse counselor, well, then you get into the different specialties that a therapist can be. One thing I do want to mention is most of the different types of, of therapy or therapists, excuse me, that I just said, all can do therapy. The difference, the main difference is when you get to psychiatrists. Nowadays, psychiatrists don't do a whole lot of therapy. They mostly do prescribing medications, mostly. Back in the day, yes, the psychiatrists did a lot of therapy work and could also prescribe medications, um, but not so much nowadays. I've had many clients in the past kind of see a psychiatrist, you know, that we've all worked with and kind of come back and say, well, they kind of just asked about my meds and briefly like how I was doing and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I just thought that they would kind of talk to me more and, it's kind of interesting to hear clients say that, and I kind and I kind of tell them, well, that's how it used to be, but now most of your therapy therapy work is done with a therapist or psychologist, not necessarily the psychiatrist. So that's something to think about if you're looking for medications, psychiatrist or your primary care physician. But therapy services, marriage and family, professional counselor, licensed social work, uh, I'm sorry, social worker. Substance abuse counselor, they're all different kinds of counselors. And within that framework, if that wasn't enough, there's all different kinds of therapies. And so are you looking for a child therapist with play therapy 
or sand tray? Um, are you looking for a trauma specialist who does EMDR and trauma work? Maybe you just want cognitive behavior therapy, which is your thoughts relating to your behaviors. Maybe you want a Christian therapist. Maybe you want one that doesn't have any kind of religious or spiritual beliefs. Maybe you want a therapist who is LGBTQIA affirming. There's all different kinds. And one of the best ways to find out some preliminary information on a therapist is going online. If you have access, go online, um, go to one major, majorly common site that you can go to is called Psychology Today. And you can look up all kinds of therapists in your area. But the one thing I do like about Psychology Today, and yes, I do have um, a profile on there, is that you can write or the therapist can write basically a description of, of their practice, um, kind of their personality, their professional personality is a better way to say that. And you can get to know a, a snippet of what they're like um, or what he or she is like um, before you even call to make an appointment. And sometimes that's really great because, you know, if you're looking for specifically a marriage and family therapist, I don't want to say waste your time, but you don't want to take that time searching for somebody who doesn't even do that kind of work. So that's why um, websites like Psychology Today are such a good resource. So I would say look on Psychology Today. You can call places in your community and don't be afraid to ask, like if they have a, a receptionist um, to ask all kinds of questions about the practice that you're calling about, because this is your mental health. You have a say in what, you know, what treatment you have and who you work with. Even if you go to, you know, even if you don't have insurance or you have very limited insurance and you're going to community mental health, there's still options of therapists that you can choose from in there. So that's something to think about. Get info on the group practice. You know, how long have they been in a, a company? How long have they been working? What's their expertise? You know, how many years experience do they have? Ask questions because they're important. They're important to your treatment. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to backing up a little bit when you call your insurance company. Don't be afraid to ask questions. The more you know allows you to make better informed decisions about your care. If that wasn't enough information, hopefully you're not feeling overwhelmed. But let's talk about some some real basics about therapy that you may not have known, but it's it's still really important. And that's why I wanted to mention some of them to you. Did you know that therapy, any kind of therapy um, with a licensed mental health provider is confidential and has to follow the HIPAA laws? If you don't know what the HIPAA laws are, those are the laws that prevent medical and mental health, but prevent us from sharing any of the information that you give us um, about who you are, where you live, the issues you're coming into to work on. They prevent us from sharing any of that information with anybody else. We have laws we have to follow for that. Of course, there are limits, which you would talk about with your therapist um, on the first day that you usually on the first day that you have a session, but I'll mention them briefly. So limits to confidentiality typically are if you're in danger of harming yourself or somebody else, then we can break that confidentiality to help you stay safe or help prevent you from hurting somebody else. The other thing is we um, can break confidentiality if you tell us anything about 
sexual abuse, child sexual abuse, elder abuse. We are mandated reporters. That means that if you tell us anything about that, we are required to call it into the child abuse hotline. But other than that, unless we are court ordered, we keep everything that you talk about as private. And so that's something to think about because to know and to reassure you that we're not going to go after you tell us, you know, the hard stuff that you're working through. We're not going to go you know, after your session, go next door and be like, hey, guess what this person just told me? No, we can't do that. The other important thing, which I know I've mentioned before, is that when you go to therapy, especially if you have a good therapist, there is no judgment. Therapists are not there to judge what you did or, you know, how you thought about something, how you felt about something. The whole point of of education and outreach is to try and help erase the stigma of mental health. That, you know, it means that you're crazy or you can't handle things or, you know, whatever the the old stigmas were. And so there's no judgment when you come into therapy. Did you know that there are major cliches in movies and on TV and the media of what a therapy session is like? So the old, old movies and, you know, old school way was, oh, do you come in and you sit on, or lay down on a leather couch and you kind of just talk about things while the therapist is taking notes and kind of just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel? And so I, I literally, I do have clients that have come in and say that that's what they expect their to be, therapy to be like is, I just thought you were going to ask me, how did that make me feel? And, you know, I, I laugh at that and, you know, it would be inaccurate to say that I don't ever ask people how they feel because, you know, your emotions are definitely part of your mental health. And so if we're working on that kind of stuff, then yes, I'm going to ask how you feel about something. But it's not just, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, how does that make you feel? Therapy is often about the therapist teaching skills to help you cope with whatever you're working through or using a specified type of treatment. Hopefully, it should be evidence-based. That means there was research done to to help prove its effectiveness for whatever we're using it for. Let me say that again. Treatment should be evidence-based. So that means that the therapist is using techniques that have been researched and shown over and over again to work for whatever testing it for. So I will give you an example. I'm a trauma specialist. So what that means is after I finished my schooling, and got my license as just a regular psychological examiner in the state of Arkansas. You know, we have to continue to get education credits every year to keep our license active. And so over, oh, uh, since, I will say since 2013, I think that's accurate. I have been focusing my continuing education on trauma work. And so a treatment that I learned is called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR for short. That is an evidence-based treatment for trauma and PTSD. So that's an example of um, evidence-based techniques. To sum up what I just said, therapy is a whole lot more than just cliches and movies of how do you, how does that make you feel? There are techniques that are used to help clients work through whatever they're needing to work through. Did you know that you can bring somebody with you to your appointments? So if you're afraid to go to therapy by yourself, and I know, I understand, it's very anxiety provoking to go in and meet somebody for the first time. It can be very anxiety provoking. You don't really know this person yet, and yet you're going to meet with somebody knowing that you're going to be working on difficult stuff that you're going through, whether it's anxiety, depression, trauma, substance abuse, whatever, that is very anxiety provoking. 
But guess what? If you can bring somebody, again, supported, a supportive friend or family member, bring them with you. All you have to do is when you go and you want them to come in with you, ask to sign a HIPAA release. So what that does is essentially it's um, documentation saying that you give permission for whoever your supportive person is to come into session with you. And you can rescind. That means you can essentially stop the permission for having your supportive person come in anytime you want. So maybe, you know, like I said, you're feeling really anxious and you want them to come in maybe the first one or two sessions. Well, after that second session, you can say, you know, I don't want them to come to know, you know, come into my sessions anymore. So you just do another documentation saying that you want to stop that permission. You want to stop that HIPAA release. It's that simple. You can also sign HIPAA releases that limit what people know about your your treatment. Maybe you're having partner issues and you only want them to know maybe when you have sessions, like the dates and times or something like that. You can restrict, that's what it's called. You can restrict that HIPAA release to just have that therapist be able to say, to tell the partner, that kind of stuff. So something to think about too, being able to bring somebody, bring, being able to limit what you don't want somebody to know. Those are all really great questions and things to work out with your therapist when you go in for the first time. The other myth that I kind of wanted to, to talk about as a did you know is, did you know that if you have suicidal thoughts, that does not necessarily mean that you're going to be locked up in a mental hospital, a mental health hospital. I can't tell you how many times and I'm really surprised about it. But again, it goes with the stigma of mental health. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come in, whether they're afraid to say like, yeah, I've been having suicidal thoughts or I don't want to tell you that because I'm afraid you're going to put me in the hospital. That's a myth. Just because you have suicidal thoughts does not mean you're going to get locked up. There's so many other factors that play into that. And that is something that, again, you would work on with your therapist. It involves safety planning. And do you have a supportive person who can monitor you? There's all kinds of factors that go into whether or not somebody has to be hospitalized. So again, just because you have suicidal thoughts does not mean you're going to be locked up. So if that's a reason and the only reason that's stopping you from getting in and seeing somebody, you know, starting the therapy process, please know that that the goal is not to lock you away. The goal is to get you help and teach you skills so that you you do not end up hurting yourself or someone else. So I know I have given you a whole lot of information on preliminary stuff to do before you actually even get in with a therapist. But I, like I said, I think it's really important as I've looked through YouTube and online, I just really did not see a whole lot of info out there on, on this part of the therapy process. And this is part of the therapy process because if you don't do the preliminary stuff, you can never make it in to see the therapist. So I hope that this podcast really helped maybe bridge that gap between, you know, oh, recognizing that maybe I do need help for my mental health issues, whatever they may be that's going on right now, and actually getting in to see the therapist. Because I don't think a lot of people talk about that, and I don't think a lot of people know how to navigate that. And so hopefully this was helpful. That, that was my goal for this podcast. And so, as I usually do, I would like to leave you with a quote. This one is from Mahatma Gandhi, and it is, Be the change you wish to see in the world. 
I have a, a business networking group that I meet with every week and I think they're wonderful. I've learned so much about business from the members of this group. And um, I actually presented last week and I talked about mental health issues and adjustment disorders, that kind of stuff. And um, a lot of comments I got after presenting was, I don't know how you do what you do. And so I thought this quote was pretty appropriate because kind of how I responded was, I do what I do because I feel called to help people reduce or stop the suffering that they're going through, whatever kind of suffering it is. And if I can be a tool or an instrument that can be used to help with that or take that away, that's the change I want to, that's the change I want to bring to the world is to try and help people cope and eliminate suffering. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Next time, I'm planning on continuing to talk about Kind of Therapy 101. Um, I'm still looking at doing um, a video podcasts soon, um, so that's in the works. I'm also going to be a guest on my friend TJ's, he has his own podcast called The Iron Leader, so look for that. Um, that'll be coming out soon. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Hopefully, it'll be great. Um, we haven't recorded it yet. Um, we're about to. So um, look for that. And thank you again for joining me. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a really great day.